everyone, welcome to the Baby Sleep Magic Podcast. My name is Chantel, and in this week's episode, I'm actually going to be sharing with you a recent podcast that I did with Scott from Rest and Recovery Podcast. And in some of the topics that we discuss is basically what to expect and how to handle adjustments, how to work through sleep disruptions, using natural sounds against white noise, how to set up the room environment for success. Um, you know, understand wake windows, sleep cycles, about feeding and the importance of nutrition and good sleep. So there's a lot that we cover in this podcast. So enjoy the podcast and I'll see you in next week's episode. Okay. Well, with me today is Chantel Murphy. She is the founder and coach of Baby Sleep Magic. Chantel, welcome to the Restaurant Recovery Podcast. Thank you. No, thanks for having me. It's great to have you on, um, discovered you through, we were talking offline, the social media, the social webs, and it's amazing yes. how you're in Australia. Yep. And Coast Australia. Yep. Great. And I'm in Virginia and we're connecting here via Zoom. So it, it's awesome. Perfect. Um, you know, really looking forward to this conversation, uh, as we were saying offline, you know, and for those listening, the birth of this podcast itself is based on my personal experience, my own sleep debt and, and, and negative consequences of that. And some of that was related to early kids, right? I have three yeah. kids and, and having sleep challenges and corporate America and trying to balance it all. Yeah. So it, it'll be interesting and fun to kind of get into this and great that you're available to people now as a resource. Perfect. Yeah, it is. And it's really helpful for parents out there who you know, whether they feel like they need it or not, they're just browsing the internet and at least there's there's help and support out there for parents now where, like I was saying to you earlier, when I had my boys all those years ago, there wasn't a great deal of help. It was very difficult. I had my mum, I had a few neighbours that I could talk to and what, what I've seen and heard on the news. But other than that, it was quite difficult to try and reach out and get help. So it's really good that, you know, society, the world has come where it has to give us the opportunity that we've got. Yeah. And like we were saying, we're just uh, just getting started on this. So what was your start? What was kind of the catalyst for you to uh, get to the point that you are today with with Baby Sleep Magic? Yeah, like it was it was really started from my own personal experience, because before I had children, I had no idea. I always loved my sleep. But before I had children, I just thought, you know, I've got this. My background was corporate, I suppose. It was events. Um, HR, recruitment. So I often spend a lot of time doing late night functions or some type of event. So I just thought, I've got this, having kids, you know, up at 3am all the time, I've got this. But once Noah come along, I certainly didn't have that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, gave me a reality check pretty quickly. You know, the first few weeks I was in my own little bubble. Everything was good and it was fine and it was as kind of, I suppose, expected. Um, but as the weeks and then turned into months went on, the sleep deprivation kicked in and, and, and more the unknown, I didn't know how long he was meant to stay awake for. I didn't know what he, how much milk he was meant to have. I was always questioning myself and coming from that background of corporate and, you know, recruitment, HR, everything was organised and structured all the time. So when I had this baby that was not organised and structured, I just was thrown. So I was just always doubting myself, always questioning myself, is he hungry, is he not hungry, is he tired, is he not tired, how do I do this? I was just always questioning myself. So, yeah. And then it got to the point where, you know, it was about four months where he still 
wasn't sleeping very well day or night and I was meant to meet a girlfriend and it was he was up from 5am I was meant to meet her at midday or something and he still hadn't slept and I called my husband hysterical and he's like and I told him the story no I hasn't slept I'm meant to meet Tamara and he's like we'll just go for a drive and I said I'm just I'm gonna drive off a cliff (laughs) and he's like okay I'm coming home so he came home he took Noah I went out on my own but from then that was the that was my breaking point that's when we went and got help so we did get someone to come in and give us give us some advice and some help and from that moment on I made it my mission to find out about baby sleep infant sleep in general as well okay I knew I wanted another child I knew I didn't want to deal with how I dealt with with Noah I just wanted it a bit more of a I knew it could be better so I just wanted to you know um make the experience better so it just came with research I just researched and then I realized there was a course that I could do which I did which was through America okay Um, yeah IMPI I think it was called by um, International Maternity Parenting Institute is the course that I did um, and that took me about 18 months to two years to complete and in that time I had crews and what I learned from my own research from the, doing the course it was a diploma that I did I put everything I knew and learned into crews with amazing success so you know so from 10 to 12 weeks he was sleeping through the night he was having good sleeps and it was just my own confidence and my own knowledge that I was putting into that that created healthy sleeping habits. So, um, and then I, then the business started. Then I, you know, created Baby Sleep Magic, created a website. It all started very small, very organic. And when I would do drop-offs at kindy or go to a play group or something like that, you talk to all the other mums and sure. it would just spread. They would know that I was the baby lady so they would come and ask me questions which I was more than happy to answer because I was helping people. Yeah. Um, but then they they told their friends and th- and that's how it grew. That's just how it grew organically. So from there I then started doing workshops um, on the Gold Coast where, you know, I get a group of mums to come together to a place and then I discuss baby sleep to those mums. Um, so that's been going for about two years now as well. So, and then those mums tell more people and that's just kind of how it's grown. And then um, about 18 months ago, I've had an opportunity and an idea to create the Baby Sleep Magic app. Oh, neat. With Instagram and Facebook, as you know, it's yeah. so diverse. So many people from all over the world can contact you. And at the time, three, two years ago, they would contact me for information. And if the time zones didn't fit with what we wanted to try and do with a consult, I didn't have the information to just give them, which I wanted to. I just wanted to give them all the information and just send it via email. And I just didn't have that. I wasn't at that, I wasn't at that stage. So um yeah, we just put our heads together and said, what can we do? The modern world, everything is apps. Everything is an app. So yeah, it took us bit over 18 months to do, to create it, to get to where we are. Um, so, yeah, after 18 months, we've developed the Baby Sleep Magic app, which is obviously available worldwide. And anyone from anywhere over the world can just log in and get the information that they need at their fingertips. That's great. So that was my goal, always been my goal, to just reach out and help as many mums as I possibly could. Um, and not it's not all about sleep. It's about the nutrition that goes with it as well. It's about implementing the healthy sleep habits, making sure the environment's right and, you know, as, as I call it, the puzzle. Yeah, it's, it's all interrelated. Puzzle. It is. It really is. And nutrition seems to be the biggest red flag that I see, especially with babies. Really? Yeah, really, really. That's surprising. Nothing. 
It is very surprising and I wouldn't have known that unless I worked with hundreds and hundreds of families over the years. I wouldn't have ever realised that's a trigger. Um, but, yeah, it's a really big trigger, with, especially with children between the age of you know, newborn through about three years of age. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. I, your whole story is really phenomenal. I wish you could wind the clock about, oh, roughly 15 years. But uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, and, and, you know, that last point on nutrition, I, you know, as I thought about it more after I said uh, surprised, it actually was kind of one of our challenges with our second, right. where it was more allergic response. Oh, so, so allergies? Allergies, yeah. So she was very colicky, um, a lot of, uh, you know, spitting up and things of that nature. Yeah, right. and that was a long winding road, especially for my wife, too. Yeah. Uh, she had to change her diet because yes. she was nursing. And yes. so, you know, it rolls downhill uh, yeah. to the baby. And so there was a, a large or long-winded um, time to figure out what was best. Yeah, it is. It's a massive process. And when I go to see a family and I do an in-home consultation and the baby is between, you know, zero and six months, usually if I'm there and the timing's right, I will put that baby to sleep with the family and show them how to do it and do some hands-on settling. But I would never put a baby to sleep unless I personally and physically seen that baby feed because I might, I might get there and they say, oh, yeah, we just fed him. And I'm like, I need to see it for myself. And when yeah. I can physically see that baby is fed and is rejecting either the bottle or the breast and I know that baby is full and content, that is when I know and only then I will then attempt to put that baby to sleep. Otherwise, as I know from experience and from what I've seen and all the research I've done, a baby without a full tummy will not go to sleep very easily and then will not stay asleep Okay. for very so long. To that point, you know, is that kind of step one or what is the kind of the, the sequence that you kind of go through? Yeah, okay. So the sequence that I usually recommend is, as I mentioned before, the puzzle. So it all comes down to room environment to begin with. So, the, you know, step one would be to make sure the room environment is set up appropriate for sleeping. So, you know, and I always try to reflect but and give examples. You know, if you were working as a a doctor or a police officer or an ambulance officer, you wouldn't go home during the day and sleep in a light environment because you just wouldn't get the quality of sleep. And same goes for babies. Ideally, the room is dark because babies are not very good at sleeping. They haven't had a lot of practice and we need to teach them what to do. And to get the best results, the best way of doing that with the most success is to have a dark room. And babies aren't afraid of the dark, you know. So this yeah. is a, a big surprise to a lot of people as well. They often put their baby in a room, but they have night lights on and they keep the door open because they think the baby's genuinely afraid of the dark. But babies until the age of two, two and a half, haven't yet developed the sense of fear. So the darker you can have that room, the better and the more success you're going to get. So that's definitely my first tip that I advise families to do. Um the second thing that I advise them to do is white noise. And white noise is so popular and successful because when babies are in the womb, they are used to 90 decibels 24-7. So oh, it's quite loud. Yeah, it's very loud in there. So when they come out and they're in a quiet room or they're in a bedroom that's not quite noisy, they don't sleep very well. They're not used to that environment. So having the white noise on, just you know creates that what they were used to in the womb now whether they're three days old three months old or three years old I still recommend white noise especially if you're having difficulties with sleep 
Um, and with white noise, I recommend something natural like rain because in a lot of cases, families room share with their baby. And it's not just about the baby having good sleep. It's about mum and dad as well. Absolutely. So, when it's natural sounding like rain, therefore most people most people can tolerate the sound of rain. Um, and that's why I like, yeah, I usually advise doing something like rain uh, and it's got to be constant. It can't just start for 20 minutes and stop because that's when bubbles start to stir because okay. the noise is turned off. So right. it's got to be consistent through generally the whole night, most all naps. Um, and then I usually advise around about two or two and a half in the event that you've decided you're finished with it, you don't want it anymore, then you just reduce the volume over a few days until you get rid of it. So they don't become attached to it, they don't become addicted to it. It just helps them um, get better quality sleep. Um, so that's those two points. And then obviously um, comfort. They you, Most children rely on some type of prop to put them to sleep. Now, whether that's mom or dad or nursing or the bottle or padding or rocking or bouncing, there's some type of something to help bub go to sleep. Okay. Um, and if you introduce a comforter, one of those little lovey blanky things, yeah. um, that's what most babies, you know, usually you've got to be happy with what it is. It's got to be safe. It's got to be breathable. They've obviously got to be old enough to be able to use it. So it's usually recommended from six, seven months of age where they can physically be able to grab it, hold it and snuggle into it. Um, but that's a really positive association when it comes to bedtime and sleep because they are in control of it. Okay. external prop, they're relying on one, some, someone or something to do the work and that's generally when you will see them wake up again because babies remember where they fall asleep. You might be rocking your baby, they fall asleep, you mm -hmm. place them in their crib or their bassinet, and then within 20 or 40 minutes they're awake again because yeah. they don't remember that. They they just remember being here in your arms and all of a sudden they're in a different environment. So that's what wakes them up. And it's very similar to us as adults. If we fell asleep on the lounge and woke up outside, we would freak out. <laughs> yeah. And babies yeah, are exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah, and babies are exactly the same. So it's just about getting them to fall asleep on their own to begin with, but having an, an, a comfort to be able to, you know, they can use that to their advantage so they're in control of it. Yeah, we definitely ran into the uh, unsuccessful version in our first one. Did remember, you? Oh, gosh, like you had to be like a ninja getting out yeah. of that room <laughs> because the second you put her down, you were like slowly backing out. Yeah, and then you, your ankle cracks or your foot yeah. cracks and then it's all over. You've got to start all over again. So, oh, yeah, yeah it's it, a very familiar thing that, you know, so many parents experience and can be avoided. It can certainly be avoided. And that's without crying it out. Like we're not even talking sleep training at this point. We're just talking about the room environment, the dark room, the white noise, the comforter, mm -hmm. um, working on some self-settling techniques. So at what point do you um, stop the swaddling? Yep. So usually, look, the SIDS recommendation is once a baby is capable of rollings, and that's usually anywhere between three and four months of age. So um, usually before that, you can start the transition of the swaddle where you could start to do one arm out and one arm in. So some parents like to opt for that, especially if they know their little one likes to be swaddled. Um, some babies can roll even earlier than that. So it's just about being really vigilant on where your baby is developmentally and where you are in the, you know, when it comes to putting your baby to bed and, and how, what bedding you're using. Um, but even babies who like being swaddled or being tucked in, I also use methods that can help with that. 
Um, and they can still be tucked in. They have their arms free, but they can still be tucked in. And babies like that. They like to feel that sense of security and snug and and tightness. Yeah. Because when they're in the womb, they yeah. were tight and snug. So when they're out and they're in a crib and they're all exposed, they kind of flap around a little bit and they get a little bit like a bird. Yeah. They flap around like a bird. Well, it's a level so, of security that any thing that we all seek is is safety and security. Correct. Yep. Exactly right. And you can still offer comfort by doing that too. You know, you can wrap them from the torso down and you can tuck them in. And I've got all that information on my both Instagram and inside the app in a lot more detail. But it's just about making sure the bedding is firm and obviously safe and it's tucked in well and it's tucked in right because, you you know, you don't want loose bedding in the crib. Um, so, yeah, it's just about making sure you've got the right stuff in the right areas so it doesn't come loose through the night and Bob is still feeling really safe and secure and can sleep. That's the most important thing and they're capable of sleeping. Okay. So that's, yeah. that's a lot of that sounds like uh, sleep hygiene, right? Kind of the right. foundations. Correct. Right. And yep. uh, earlier you mentioned about observing a baby nurse. Can you kind yes. of expand on that a little bit? Yes. So just as an example, the last week or two that I've gone to clients' homes, I've watched them feed and one in particular, um, you know, she said, okay, I'm going to go feed Bub now. So she went away and within three minutes she was back. She's like, okay, I'm done. And I was like, already? Like, that's not a feed. And she's like, and mum didn't know. She's got a three-month-old baby. It's her first baby. It's all she's ever known. But babies should feed for at least 10 minutes, you know, at least. When she went and came back within three minutes, I already knew there already a red flag to me saying, this baby's hungry, this baby's not getting enough. So then we need to expand why. How are you holding Bub? How is she feeding? Is she too sleepy to feed? So then we, we look into all those things and find out what's going on. Is mum's milk supply not as strong? Is mm -hmm. she not latching very well? Like we just need to look into all those things because, yeah, food and nutrition is an absolute critical part of sleep and not just self-settling. And then this, again, comes down to not even, we're not even talked about sleep training at this point. It's purely right. just setting up the right foundations for sleep to occur. And without a full tummy, whether it's breast or bottle, that baby, you might go to sleep if you're doing lots of padding and lots of hands-on settling and motion and bouncing and rocking, but they'll probably be awake within 20, 30 minutes as well. And that's what I find quite often with parents who call me because their bub's either waking a lot through the night yeah. and catnapping through the day. And that comes down to nutrition. Yeah. Okay. And that's definitely what we had for one and two. We our oldest, yeah. you know, just was like a snacker. And right. Was up a lot and was like yep. constant. I blame the nurses for that because I felt like they were constantly bringing her in <laughs> in the hospital. And yeah, the right. No. Yeah. And that's the thing, you want to avoid snacking because even as an adult, when we go to a big we have a big dinner or we go to a buffet or you can eat, you come home and you are full. You just want to veg out and just relax and go to sleep. And that's as an adult. And babies are the same. They want to get that sensation of full. And if you're snacking all day, as even as an adult, if you're having milkshakes and salads all day, you just don't get that sensation of being really content and full. Yeah. Babies are the same. So for babies who snack all day, we try to, you know, break it up a little bit. We try to extend things out. So when they do get a feed, they're ravenous. They're they're hungry. They're feeding and they feed well. They're not just going to have a little snack, do them for 20 minutes, have another little snack for 20 minutes. We want to give it at least a good couple of hours so they are hungry and then they feed and they feed really well. 
Okay. So yeah. is there something else that, you know, parents should be cognizant of around the newborn phase? Um, to yeah, help. wake windows is probably the big one that a lot of people aren't aware of because babies in the newborn phase, they're only capable of staying awake for 45 minutes. That's all they're capable of doing. And me as a new mum, I had no idea. I had no idea there was even, I didn't know wake windows existed. There was no such thing. So that's just one thing that really threw me. Um, but babies, new babies in particular, are really only capable of staying awake for 45 minutes. And in that 45 minutes, you've got to be, you know, aware enough that in that time they've got to be fed, burped, changed and put back to sleep. And you really don't have a lot of time for anything else in the very first few weeks because they they generally, as long as they're healthy and all good, feeding well, they should spend more time asleep than they do awake. Okay. Um, but, yeah, 45, as they start to get to that six-week mark, they start to wake up, they start to become more aware of their surroundings, they start to become more alert, and that's where getting them back to sleep can become a little bit more challenging because they don't want to. <laughs> they want to look and, and that's where that fine line is because they can only stay awake at this point 45 to 60 minutes. Any longer, they get overtired. When a baby at that age gets overtired, it's like a light switch. You've got to do everything in your power at that point to get them back to sleep because you've missed the boat. <laughs> okay. so, so wake window is critical. How about the transition? Like when, what does the transition look like when you know, they start acting a bit like a person, right? Not just yes, yes. awake every 45 minutes and suddenly, they're, they're, you know, the personality starts to show up and, yep. and all the other things. So that transition, I think, is, in any transition, is, is kind of key. What are some things to be observant about as a parent to know when you're starting to kind of slide into that next phase? Yeah, so it's a, probably the one thing everyone knows about when they have children is called the four-month regression. So that's when things really change from the newborn cycle of just more so eat feed sleep eat feed sleep when they get that four month regression is when everything changes they get sleep cycles just like us adults us adults every 90 minutes believe it or not we wake up through the night and we would turn toss move our pillow and go back to sleep babies are exactly the same but their sleep cycle at that age is 45 minutes 40 to 45 minutes so if a baby at that age can't fall asleep independently that's when they will then wake up frequently and require whatever happened to put them to sleep to redo that. So if you were rocking or nursing or bouncing and put them to sleep that way, they'll wake up in 45 minutes and require you to either rock, bounce, nurse to get them back to sleep. Okay. And that's the difference. That's, that's when they go from newborn phase to more like adult sleep cycles. Okay. Okay. So it's around four months. So, um, How should, you know, parents kind of manage their own expectations for baby and actually themselves as well? We kind of alluded to that earlier. Yeah. You know, we're all in this together. Yeah, <laughs> in the house. it's so tricky. I think mothers and parents, especially new parents, are so hard on themselves. There's so much information out there, not just on Google, but everywhere, social media, po everywhere, you know, podcasts, internet books is so and it's contradicting and parents just don't know what to do and what to listen to so then they become really overwhelmed and lost in all this information and then then there's these different apps where it tells you your baby's about to start this leap and this baby and then they get all anxious like oh god they're yes. gonna so then you've got this non-sleeping parent with this really anxious no confidence it's just an it's just a disaster 
Sorry? Information overload. It really is. It really is. So my advice is to, you know, take everything with a little pinch of salt, but ultimately trust your gut. You as a parent are the best parent your baby's ever had and you've just got to trust your gut. I usually tell the clients that I work with to stay off social media to a degree because that's, they, they're on all these forums and they're getting all this, they might even post something and then they get absolutely crucified for it, whatever it is, and then that just, you know, that just escalates their yeah. everything. So, yeah, you know, take everything with a pinch of salt um, and when you find someone that you, you're either following or you like or you're taking interest in, just follow that one person. Right, kind of, you know, even like us for creating good habits, it's like, you know, pick pick a program and stick with it. Correct. Um, Cons- consistency is the key at the end of the day. Okay. And setting up healthy sleep habits, it's not all, like, I keep going back to, it's not even about implementing sleep training. You don't have to do sleep training. It's just about making sure your baby is sleeping in the right environment with the right type of noises or, you know, as we discussed, the white noise. And, and then ultimately, as long as your baby is fed and happy and healthy, it really, and that doesn't matter. If you want to co-sleep, if you want to breastfeed till they're three, if you want to, however you want to parent, you do it. As long as you're happy and healthy, that's the end goal at the end of the day. Right. And sleep is hugely prioritized into that because that's what makes everyone happy and healthy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the, the impact on sleep uh, is really foundational to everything else from a wellness perspective. I mean, it, it makes the nutrition work better. Uh, emotionally, relationships are going to be better. Right. Yeah. Um, it all it all relates because you know, a baby's exhausted, a mom's exhausted, and dad's exhausted. Everyone just clashes. Yeah, that's going to yeah. be a recipe uh, for disaster. It really is. Yeah. So sleep is absolute key, and it just makes everyone feel better, and it's the confidence. Once moms get to an, a chance where they can actually then put their baby down themselves and that baby goes to sleep, then that mom is like on cloud nine. She's like, I did that. I, I can do this again. Yes. And then their confidence builds. And that's the biggest thing that I see with my parents and families that I work with. It's the confidence. I go into their home or I speak to them online. They've got no confidence. They don't know where to begin. They don't know where to start. They've tried all these different things. Nothing's worked. Um, and the moment that they do one thing and it works, their confidence just goes from zero to a hundred. And then, then I don't hear from them. I'm chasing them going, Hey, Michelle, what's going on? I haven't heard from you in two weeks. And they're like, Oh, I've got this. So it's just that light bulb moment where you talk to them about everything. Light bulbs go on. They do what you've you know suggested. It works. And then they're off. They got their confidence and they're off. That's, That's probably the biggest thing that I see. Yeah. And I think, you know, it sounds, it's personalization on what's going to work and what's not going to work. Correct. Yes. Um, and that's kind of the same for all of us, no matter how old you are, infant or middle age or whatever that is, um, yeah. you know, things are going to affect you differently than it may affect me. And yes. so uh, you just got to be cognizant of that and just keep trying. Exactly right. And the, you know, with personalized consultations, they will talk to me about their challenges and we will, get down to every everything to get right down to exactly what's going on so we can address it and we can come up with a solution that's going to work for that family. So that's, you know, the, the advantages of a personalised consultation, I suppose, where the app is more, um, 
it's got all that information in there. It's just very broad. You just, you know, it's got the puzzle videos in there. So that's relevant for any child, whether a newborn or three to four years of age. And then if you've got challenges like just starting daycare or going out and about, all that information is in there as well. So I've tried to cover as much as I possibly could. And with all the years that I've done this, all those little questions and challenges that I know families um, families have is in the app. So I've tried to cover as much as I could, yeah. Well, it kind of goes back to your point earlier is at least, you know, not at least, but there's a single source that you can go to and it's going to be less, you know, overwhelming, a little clarifying, and at least you'll have that confidence, okay, I can go to this, as opposed to just scouring or DuckDuckGo or whatever search engine you use. Yeah, exactly right. And and, And that's what I found parents get more overwhelmed with as we said before they just they don't know where to look they're googling anything and everything and you know what google's like it tells you everything (laughs) things that you don't want to hear so yeah they i get there and they are so overwhelmed with information that they've read and you know we've worked with a nutrition uh, a dietitian as well through the app so you know some of the questions that i was always getting asked from these families i would then ask the dietitian so she could answer it in a professional way. And the simplest thing that I, as an example, when to introduce water, you know, a lot of families that I would work with, I would see them, their babies would be five, six, sometimes seven months old, and they hadn't even introduced water yet because they read on the internet that it will kill them. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, they're, they're actually fearful for introducing water because Google says, or whoever says it's harmful to their baby or they can over hydrate them or whatever they're reading so they're actually fearful so all that type of stuff is covered inside the app because yeah and we worked alongside a dietitian to to do that because nutrition is probably the biggest as I keep going back to parents are almost too scared to feed their children because of what they've read and what is out there what's portrayed out there with the allergies with the choking with they're just too scared yeah and I can relate just through the our kids are four years apart and it seems even in that short span, the experts changed their mind like four times. (laughs) And even when I was a kid, it was like, okay, this is, this was what you did. And now it's like, no way you don't do that. Yes. So different. It's almost like it's fashion. It comes back into style again. It's just like changing their mind and cycling through things. It's so true. And it is, it's so true. And this is where parents are like, they just don't know. They just don't know. They're overwhelmed and confused. They go see their midwives or they go see the health clinics. They tell them one thing, but then they go and read on the internet. It's different. And then they're almost too scared. Yep. They're almost too scared. And I've, I've, many of families I've gone to see and their child is clearly hungry, clearly ready for solids, but the parents haven't introduced it yet because they're just not quite sure on how, why, what, when. They just don't know. They're just so overwhelmed and they're too scared. So to that point, when do you when do you introduce uh, the solids like that? So the – look, the, um, the, the, the law, they're these um, guides – recommended guides is no long no earlier than four months and so it's anywhere between four and six months but no earlier than four months so that's kind of like the standard recommendation um i'm not sure if america's any different but the last research that i did into america it was the same as australia but they're more on the six month side where australia is says between four and six months okay 
and no earlier than four months. So, you know, obviously up until 12 months, milk is certainly the preferred source of nutrition. But as they get closer to 12 months, milk, especially after they get to 12 months, milk at that stage is just a drink, not a meal. So you've got, you know, you've got from six to 12 months to start preparing your child's belly for a whole lot more food because once they get to 12 months, they shouldn't need milk at that point as an actual source of, you know, to compensate food. They should be eating three meals a day, snacks in between and milk just to top them up. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's really important. There's many families that I've seen in the past that their child is purely relying on milk around the clock. Um, even as an older child, you know, 10, 11, 12 months of age, they're only snacking on meals. They have a little bit of breakfast. They might have a little bit of lunch. They might even have a little bit of dinner. But the, And then they're having three or four bottles or even more a day. Okay. So, and milk doesn't fill them up. When they're running around, they're on their feet, they're busy, they're climbing, the milk just isn't enough at that yeah. point. Yeah. So when they start to become, you know, that one plus, that toddler, yes. does the, the sleep cycle start to change and, you know, you're starting to put them to bed? I know we did it at like 7, 730. Try sure. to get them to sleep. Is it 10, yeah. 12, 14 hours? Yeah, that's a good question. So in terms of their sleep cycle, nothing changes because mm -hmm. once they get to four months, their sleep cycles change to more like adults and then right. that stays the way. But their wake windows will change as they get older. So as I said earlier, newborns are only capable of staying awake 45, 60 minutes. And then as they grow, their wake window grows too. So, you know, the four to six months is more like two-hour windows and then they get closer to a year old, it's three-hour windows. And as they get a toddler and they're only on one nap a day, they're capable of about five-hour wake window. So they wake up at six, they might have their nap of the day around midday, then they wake up and then they go to bed around, you know, seven o'clock, give or take. So, um, and then once that toddler has dropped that nap, then usually we need to bring bedtime earlier to compensate for that no nap. Otherwise, children who get overtired will get a second wind. And when they get a second wind, they get hyped up. They get yeah. giggly and silly and crazy and bouncing around and and that can last two hours <laughs> so you want to avoid that you really want to get them to bed before they get that second win because it's like they've had a shot of coffee they're yeah. just really silly and, and yeah it's really hard to bring them back down because so, when that second win does end it ends hard and yeah it does and it can be like nine ten o'clock at night which is so late and yeah. it's too late yeah so is the optimal sleep at night like 12 hours like it changes. Every baby's different. It's anywhere between 10 to 12 hours. And that's the same goes for even younger babies. So some younger babies might do best on 10 and a half hours sleep. And that's just the way they are. They might be genetically early risers. They're up every day at 5 or 5.30. They go to bed every night at 6. And that's them for the night. That's yeah. And then they have a couple of cat nuts in the, in the middle, but they're happy. They're healthy. They're put on weight doesn't affect the family lifestyle and that works for them. Other children need 12 hours uninterrupted, bang. So every child's different. My two, my two are totally different as well. I've got Noah, my first, who now loves sleep. And, and, and once we got him on track, he was a good sleeper. He needed his good chunks of naps during the day and he could sleep 12 hours at night. And he still can. He's eight and he could still sleep from seven to seven like wow. that. My other one, Cruz, you would never get him down for a day nap. He didn't want it. He wasn't interested. And even now we put him to bed at seven-ish. 
he probably doesn't fall asleep till after eight and he's awake at six o'clock. So, and he copes well, he's happy. So it's just so different. But anywhere between the 10 and 12 hour mark is kind of what's needed and what's recommended for children. Okay. Tell me about, you mentioned naps a couple of times. Yep. How do you manage through that? Yeah. So again, it comes down to their wake windows. There's no point trying to put a baby to bed when it suits you because that's not going to happen. We need to work with their wake windows. So as an example, a six-month-old baby is capable of staying awake for about two to two and a half hours. So what we need to do, they wake up for the day at 6 a.m. They're going to need to go down for their first nap of the day around 8, 8 a.m. And before that, we need to ensure that they've had obviously some milk, if they're on solids or started solids, have a little bit of breakfast as well. And then even before they go down for their nap, I always advise, especially for babies who aren't refluxy or colicky, offer them a top-up of milk as well because it just gives them another opportunity to fill their tummy up, ready for a nap. And then that would be their first nap of the day. Um, and you, we're just not in control of how long that nap's going to be. You just hope, cross your fingers and hope. If they fall asleep independently, chances of getting a better nap is more is higher because they know how to sleep. Um, If you're doing the work for them, holding them, rocking them, patting them, nursing them, chances are they'll wake up after about 40 to 45 minutes and you'll need to recreate what you did to get them back to sleep for a longer nap. So naps is really important because that just gives mom or dad the downtime that they need through the day to either do jobs, run errands, nap, cook, clean. Yeah, because without that, it's a long day. Yes, yeah. Especially when you start tacking on others too, multiples. Yes, other children. And then you want to try and sync them so they're napping together, which can yeah. be difficult, but it's, it is achievable. I did it with my boys. They're 14 months apart and there was probably more days than not where I got them to nap together because was, that was just so important for me to just have at least an hour to myself during the day where I could do whatever I wanted and they were just going to be asleep. So it's tricky. It takes a little bit of tweaking and a little bit of manipulating of their days and their schedules, but it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. For everyone's sanity, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, you know, Chantel, I appreciate what you're doing professionally. Uh, like I jokingly said earlier, I, I wish we could turn back the clock about <laughs> yeah. 15 years. Uh, but it's wonderful that you, you have this out there and, and the fact that the app is out there. That's really. Yeah, that's a good help for mums and families out there. Yeah. So um, I'd like to close things out with a couple of personal questions. Sure. What are you reading right now? I'm reading a book called, um, I think it's called What Women Want. And it's, um, I should, let me Google it. It's just a bit, it's an inspiring book about business women and how they got to where they are and it's hustling how they got to where they are and how they did it and why they did it. It's just a bit inspiring. So, yeah, that's what I'm reading now. Okay. Great. Yeah. So what are you listening to, be it music or podcast? I really like listening to po- Founder. is a really good podcast that I listen to. Um, sorry? What was it called? Founder. Founder? Yeah, he interviews anyone who's basically founded their own company and business and talks to them about how they did it and why. So anything, oh, anything Gary V, huge yeah. fan of Gary V. Yes. Um, yeah, you know, anyone like that that's just positive, inspiring and just gives you, you once you finish listening to them, you just want to go and be proactive and do stuff. So, yeah, really good. 
really good things like that. Gary yeah. V's. Gary V is like a, a shot of coffee. Yeah, he really is. And small, you can only take him in small doses. I can only listen to him and watch him in small doses. But what he says, it's so relevant. Yeah, and he's so spot on, like, with he so many things. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, okay, last one. What is your go-to rest and recovery method? Massage. Massage. And an hour or two of kid-free time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I really like a bit of me time. So whether it's a massage or a manicure or a pedicure, but massage is definitely up there. But me time, it's so important for mums out there to just have some me time. That's the biggest thing that I see that doesn't happen. They're so consumed with their new baby, and which is absolutely fine, but they forget about themselves. That is such a great piece of advice to end this on because I, I totally agree, saw it in our own house where – uh, and, and others that, yeah, you can definitely, um, there's that mom guilt that I can't relate to Yes, that, yeah. you know, you you shouldn't do that, but you, you need yeah. it because you, you need, need yourself there. Yes. Support your kid as, as well as you can. Yeah. And it might only be 20 minutes of doing something, you know, leave bub with nan or pop or hubby or whatever, while you just go and have a coffee on your own. That's all it might need to be, 20 minutes, and then come back and you're just better. You're just refreshed. You're better. And I do get I understand new mums sometimes don't want to do that, but even if it's 10 or 20 minutes on their own, whether it's running your own bath or, or going out for a coffee, you just need a bit of you time. It's so important. Yeah, 100%. Well, again, Chantel, I, thank you so much for the time and availability. Oh, thank you. Thanks for reaching out. Yeah. It was a great conversation and uh, yeah, tell everybody how they can find you website and the app. Yeah, sure. Okay. So you can find um, anything about the baby sleep magic app on the baby sleep magic website, which is www.babysleepmagic.com. And you can subscribe. It's a subscription model. So basically you log in, you'll be given access to the seven videos that we talked about, which is basically like your virtual consultation. And then once that's finished, you get to, you put your baby's details in and you get all the information you need for your baby right now. And that's why I created it as a subscription model. So as your baby grows, the app grows too. You continue to get the information you need as your baby grows. And I didn't want them to get overwhelmed and bombarded, as we've talked about, with all this irrelevant information that they don't need. There's no point signing in as a newborn and getting stuff for a six month old. It's just overwhelming. You don't need to know it. You don't, it doesn't, it's not relevant. All the information you need right now is at your fingertips. And then as your baby grows, you'll be given access to the sleep guides that they need as they grow and the wake windows that change and all the information when they're standing up in the cot, how to manage that. But you don't need that as a newborn. So yeah, it gets right. delivered to you as you need it. Awesome. So well, great. Thank you, Chantel.